Hello, New Mexico. My name is David Gallegos. I'm state senator from District 41, which is Lee and Eddy counties in the southeast side of the state. Today, I have with me Representative Rebecca Dow uh, from TRC, and I wanted to introduce her. We are going to be talking about uh, Children, Youth, and Families Department and what's going on there and how we can do things to fix it. In the past, we've had uh, been plagued with issues. Uh, they've, they've had cases falling through the cracks, literal or no accountability, and there's a large mounting sca- of scandals that includes one revealed by Searchlight New Mexico, which uh, s- the use of a signal that came down from the top, which is an app that they use to take out some of their dialogue in their um, messaging, their texting and emails. Uh, the two whistleblowers also uh, were fired from from uh, CYFD, and we've just got a mess statewide. And uh, Rebecca and I have worked together with uh, Kelly Ferjardo, a state rep out of uh, Valencia County, for the last few years trying to fix some of the issues. And uh, we just wanted to visit with you and let you know what's going on and so we can try to get to the point that we can actually protect our children, not the department. Rebecca. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, for the last uh, couple of decades, you know, my work has been with uh, vulnerable populations and children who um, are are more likely to be exposed to CYFD. And what you're saying is right. Basically, within that agency, they're somewhat an island into themselves. If if you are a bio parent or a kinship guardianship caregiver, if you are a state employee or a foster parent and a guardian at litem, a CASA volunteer, and you have uh, you you want to, to advocate on behalf of a child, CYFD decides that um, outcome. And if you want to appeal that process, you appeal within CYFD. And if you're not happy with the appeal outcome, then it goes to the CYFD secretary. And there's there's never a point when there's due process and there's never a point, uh, a, a mechanism to appeal outside of CYFD short of trying to finance and go to the courts uh, at, at your own cost. And so it's extremely difficult and We've done all sorts of things. We've tried an ombudsman. Well, uh, even when you come to the legislature, yeah. for instance, uh, I sent a, uh, an email to the secretary asking him for an update on the case out of Lee County and never responded to me. So as New Mexicans, how are you going to get more detail versus the legislature? We're in a position to be able to have insight to what the department's doing, and we aren't. We had a task force two mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Uh, I drove from Eunice all the way to Albuquerque to be turned around that we'd asked for this task, or, task force during session. And I was turned around and not allowed as a legislator. I was in the House at the time, but as a legislator was not allowed to be a part of that task force. And all we we're trying to do is resolve some of the issues that were in CYFD. So you're exactly right. Yeah. It, it goes right back to CYFD. Yeah. And no one resolves it. Yeah. And so it's pretty ironic that, uh, you know, they continue from the the scandal that you talked about with Sig- Signal, which we're so grateful for the media keeping that in the spotlight. And, you know, they did stop using Signal, but they haven't assured us that they're not uh, using a different encrypted uh, software system and, and that they are not deleting uh, information. So they call that, uh, that they're protecting the child's uh, private information, that they're minors and it's a HIPAA violation. But many of the things that, you know, like going to the task force meeting, we weren't talking about specific cases with children. And so there was no reason for the public not to be allowed in the meetings other than they didn't have to. So they they have a, a, a history of, of using protecting the 
confidentiality of minors as a reason to uh, to remain completely pretty much close to the public and, and, and a lack of transparency in what's happening. Yeah. But we see the result of that in children dying or being permanently damaged. Right. And that brings us to the yeah. Hobbs issue where we had the Romanian family and uh, that brings us to our guest for today. But it's one of those things that it's really sad that we have to find um, an angle where one of our children got hurt before we can start really di- diving deep into the details with the CYFD. And we still don't have an answer. Yeah. So I believe Jill, Jill Jones is joining us today and she's one of your constituents. She is. And I met her when we joined um, the Children's First Network in just honoring and highlighting the um, resource families, whether they are bio or they are our foster family. CYFDs dropped the name foster parent and they're using the word resource family. Um, but Jill, uh, I met her when she came to advocate and when we asked her to come so we could celebrate the work of foster families, adoptive families. Jill, was a foster parent for 12 years. Uh, she adopted several children through the state. And um, I, I consider her uh, a hero. Um, Very much and, so. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really excited for her to be here today and to be able to tell her story. Hello, Jill. Are you there with us? I am. How are y'all? Well, thank you for coming. Good. Thank you for having me. Well, Joe, uh, we just wanted to basically uh, visit with you and, and you know, uh, knowing that you're a foster parent, knowing that you'd had uh, Mona Lisa with you uh, before the parents took her and, and left the state. Uh, we're just wondering if you could give us some of your background. Tell us about uh, who you are. I love your kids. Uh, I've been to their home. Uh, Jill takes really good care. There's uh, a brother and a sister and then another young man that she's adopted. So uh, they're blessed to have her in, in the home they are. They're real ranchers. So they've got uh, horses and cows and you name it. So, uh, but Jill, if you just give us a little background on you and yourself. Yes. Um, originally from San Angelo, Texas, and I was in law enforcement there and met my husband who was a rodeo cowboy from Hobbs. And I joke, David, you'll get this, but Rebecca might not. I joke with people and tell them that he brought me over here at night to show me how pretty it was. So I would agree to move here. So (laughs) I left my career there and moved here and um, decided to go a different route, which was advocating for children. And I started out as a CASA. And um, And CASA is a CASA is a court appointed special advocate. And we would go to court and advocate for the children in foster care. So quickly realized doing that, that there was a need for foster families. And so I spoke to my husband who already knew that's what I wanted to do. Eventually he immediately agreed. We went through the grueling six month long process of becoming foster parents and, um, and immediately got our first placement after we got our license. And we were foster parents for almost 12 years before CYFD revoked my license. Um, and then sued me. And so now we're dealing with that. And um, that's where we're at today. Well, and thank you for that. And and I just wanted to uh, dive into a little bit on your training for CYFD. So, so uh, just so the audience knows, uh, CYFD is suing you uh, for giving detail out that was actually in the Hobbs News Sun. 
So if the newspaper put it out, I don't know why you're being held, held accountable. Uh, you talked about CASA. My daughter's director for CASA. One of my daughters is the investigator for CYPD. So mm-hmm. actually Hobbs News Sun, a local paper, had more detail than even I got from my daughters and or for you. So I know we don't want to breach anything that will cause you a problem in your lawsuit, uh, but it's just one of those things I think it's important for the people in New Mexico to understand that this department is so rogue that someone that was helping children is the one being hurt by our department. So uh, if you could explain some of the uh, training that you had. Um, a lot of the training that we did receive at CYD, it, it revolved around brain trauma. And every time a child is moved to a new placement, it causes physical, actual brain trauma that they can measure. And um, so I, I believe that training was to discourage us from, you know, moving children out of our home if we didn't just have to do it. And so that's what that's what we did as foster parents. And we took it seriously. And so um, we had two of the four children that you're speaking of in our home and um, they were returned, I believe, prematurely. Um, reunified with their parents. They were still in CYFD custody. Um, the parents absconded with the children. Uh, they would not report them missing to the police. There were U.S. Marshals wanting to go find them. Couldn't do it because they didn't have that police report that they meet, needed stating the children were missing and endangered. And so, and so why were you, was the police department and were you unable to file that they were missing? Or could, could you guys issue an Amber Alert? I could not because the children were removed from my home. So I had, and, and they were in CYFD's custody anyway. So CYFD only CYFD had authority to issue them a report that they were missing. And that how long were they missing? For six months. Six months. CYFD did not know where they were. To my knowledge, they did not know where they were. And part of the dialogue is that they did not feel they're in jeopardy hmm. because their parents had them. And so they just let it wash underneath the rug and uh, forget about it, took it away from New Mexico's issue and gave it to someone else. Now, isn't it, though, whenever they start reunification, that there's a transition plan and that there's some sort of monitoring to assure that the children are safe? Is that part of what we've put in rules and regs or statute? And how could they do that if the children were missing? Great question, Rebecca. Uh, They were supposed to be checking on the children. Um, I don't know how many days the children had been gone, but there was no check on the children or somebody would have known. And I think somebody may have known, um, but they, when they found out they were gone, they refused to report them missing. So that's when I went to social media uh, out of complete and utter desperation to get help to find these children before. Because you knew the condition they were found in before. What had caused them to be removed from their home and placed in CYFD custody was pretty egregious the first time or the prior, the most immediate time. I don't know how many prior incidents there had been, but the, when they came to you, uh, yes, you according to the newspaper as well. And sort of going back to the topic of your training. So currently, I just give you a little insight. I sent a, an email to Secretary Blaylock asking for an update and was not given any detail. But I do know that Mona Lisa was in Albuquerque uh, when they brought her back into the state. If you look at the training you had, 
Is there any reason they could not have there again? I know they took away your license, but should they have not put her back in a home where she was loved and cared for previously? She already knew the system. She already knew who you were. She already had the comfort level. Would that not have been the best place to do it? Have her come back to Lee County because that's where they were at. Uh, uh, am I wrong in that as far as the, tr- uh, the trauma you talked about earlier? No, I don't believe you're wrong at all. Um, I believe that CYFD knowingly caused more trauma on all of the children. Um, that's my and opinion. And so it, when, when, when Mona Lisa was found, among other injuries, she had experienced brain injury and swelling and that resulted in her being permanently blind. And so in this placement, uh, when they chose not to return her to you, uh, w- if they were considering logistically where services would be available for her uh, with her new injury and, and now being a, a, a young toddler who's permanently blind, where would they have placed her for services? They could have placed her here. Um, I have a vehicle. I would have gone anywhere for that child. It's it's and my that, understanding that in your area, there's like a, an extension of the school, of the deaf and school, I mean, school, of the blind in your area that doesn't exist in Albuquerque or Bernalillo where she was taken. Um, this New Mexico school for the blind. Uh, it's my understanding that it's statewide. So if mm-hmm. you need services, they will provide services no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. And we have hospitals. We have Lubbock, Texas, an hour and a half away. Albuquerque, five hours. I can drive. But the comfort level, I remember a video where Mona Lisa's crawling her last time with you, calling you mama, mama, mama. That, to me right there, gives her a point of contact that should have never been broken in the first place, but should have been the place they brought her back to because she had enough understanding of who you were and the family to be comforted there. And that's my problem with this whole situation. Uh, Recently, the secretary had talked about uh, fulfilling their legal obligation, their duties. Uh, I don't see that they've done that. And I was wondering if you had any insight you could talk about on, on what the department's done because they are held to an accountability. That young lady, all, all the kids were in New Mexico state custody. There are kids. They left our state and she came back blind. And I don't see that's fulfilling the duties of that office. Uh, do you have any insight on that or any thoughts? My thought on that is foster parents are held at a higher accountability than CYFD employees are. That's my thought. I mean, we I can't call the way that you were treated right. anything other than what it is, which was retaliation. So because you advocated adamantly for these children, yes. why else would your license be terminated? You have a 12-year history it's- with them. You've adopted children. You're in good standing until this incident. And at a time when Mona Lisa needed you the most, only retaliation would result in them knowingly causing trauma to a child in such a situation. That's it. And prior to this happening, I was working with then um, Representative Gallegos um, on trying to advocate for these children and trying to help get legislative changes. And that's how I met um, you, Rebecca. And so there was already a little bit of, I was getting too vocal going on within the department due to my CYD criticism. So every bit of it, I'm certain is retaliation and And, also cover up. 
that's not, that's not unique to you. I can say with certainty in the 20 years that I've worked with families who, who work with CYFD, that, um, that, that, that's, that seems to be a trend when you have a conversation, you know, they say, I can't, I can't be retaliated against that the children will suffer. I, you know, or, or uh, that most people who speak out are people who have had their license revoked or people who have adopted and are no longer choosing not to foster that choose to become advocates for others who don't feel they can speak up. So this is not unique to you. You are not no. crying wolf. I can speak to that in the 20 years that I've been involved in. Sadly, it's yep. not unique to me, but also sadly, foster parents are afraid to speak up. And I understand. I, I, I understand that completely. I was told I was being too vocal prior to this happening, and but I wasn't going to stop. I was a parent. What is a parent supposed to do? Yeah. Advocate well, can, for their children and protect their children and love their children. And that that's what surrounds this entire case. So well, We've got a definite need for foster parents. We've had a lot in Lee County that stepped away because of what's happened in Lee County. And you look at it, we have huge needs from children that need somewhere to go, someone that need to take care of them. So if you hurt the foster parent through the department, then where do we go from there? I mean, there's nowhere else. There's no one else. Here you've got your arms wide open. You do not have your license anymore because of their determination, not yours. And yet you're willing and not able to receive a child. Uh, just going back to Mona Lisa, I still say that home would have had the most love and compassion for her because she was already yours. Your kids were used to her. They're wanting her back. You and your husband were willing to take her back. We're not given the chance or the opportunity because of their view of what you were doing as a parent to protect her. So I, I see that we're hurting the system and it's all coming inside the department. It's not someone from the outside. It's from the inside CYFD. So. And can I clarify? We, we would have, and still to this day would take all of the children back. And as far as, um, sight goes, when that is gone, what is the next sense that people use? It's their hearing. She know our, she would have known, and she may still know our voices. Right. And she couldn't go back to that. And that's just not, there's nothing right about that at all. Nothing. Right. Not if you're yeah. thinking about the best interest of the children and we're not. We've your lost voice that. is pretty unique. I would guarantee you that when she would hear you, her call, your, you call her, her name, she would remember and she'd respond. So that's a bad thing. We've got adults making decisions that are hurting children. And that's what needs to stop. Yes, you're right, 100%. I would never argue with that. And the children should come first, and they do not. And this is a pretty obvious case that the children don't come first. It's, an, it's a good example of many uh, other cases that are just like it. You talked about, you know, the loss of foster parents or resource parents. And and um, and so what is CYF doing instead? Uh, they're finding a voluntary uh, agreement with a relative caregiver, which which may or may not be appropriate. But what happens in those voluntarily voluntary um, situations is that the parents can choose to take their children back at any time. So instead of having open cases where we're having meaningful transition parents and, and, and helping parents uh, uh, safely reunite with their children through through the 
the various intervention programs that we fund in the state, those programs remain voluntary and parents can, can take their children back at any time or they leave them in the home, which is we've seen those headlines, you know, some, yeah. pr- some pretty significant deaths just in the last month um, of where they were just left in the home and had a safety plan and uh, with no right. other interventions. Right. Um, and it also makes their numbers. My first meeting with Jill, Rebecca, she brought up that uh, we're more about protecting the parent than the child. And I argued that point. But in reality, she was right because you see it now. Yeah. So the the question is, you know, where do we go from here? And so I, I, I think it's a really important question for us to say, you know, with the current issue at the agency and at the department, how do you think we move forward? What can we do? Be the voice. Be the voice that the children do not have. Because someday, somehow, somebody is going to listen. And someday, somehow, there will be change. There will be. Well, we've, we've tried an ombudsman. We tried to add some teeth yes. to the Substitute Care Advisory Council so that folks could appeal there. Uh, we had a bill for a, a, an independent a, a, a hearing officer where people could go and appeal. And those all um, were pretty much dead on arrival. And so, you know, we're going to keep introducing those bills. And we're, you know, I, I will commit to you today to continue to elevate the issue and to, to be a voice out there for change. Well, I thank you so much. And that's that's another not just be their voice, but to continue pushing forward with those bills. We've got to get them passed. The system is unfair. It's unfair for everyone involved. I'm not one of the people that would cry. That's not fair. I don't even let my children say that's not fair. But this system is not fair. And the ultimate victims are our children. So keep pushing. do not have a voice. Thank you. And so you. And we here in the legislature need to keep pushing that agenda until someone hears us and changes the way we do business in New Mexico. Yes. And keep pointing out the truth. And Rebecca's amazing at it. David, you are too. I'm not saying you're not, but she shines the light every day on the darkness. And that's what has to be done. It is darkness. Yeah. And she's constantly shining the light on it. And she's constantly pointing out truths and holding people accountable. And so that's what we have to keep doing. Well, that's very kind. Thank you. And, and, and like I said before, you're, you're a hero. And so um, if folks want to get involved, you know, message us. Uh, we're easy to find, you know, representatives. We have our cell phones posted. We're easy to find on Facebook. Uh, we're easy to find online. So um, if you have a story or if you have a solution or you want to get involved, please reach out. We'd love to have you on board. Yes. And I'm asking anybody that knows anything about any case, don't be afraid. Just step out. Just do what you have to do because we have to start protecting the children because the agency is not doing it. We do. Well, thank you, Jill, for your time. Thank you for all you've done for our kids. I know it broke your heart when Mona Lisa was taken from you. It a real tragedy when she came back blind. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever be able to resolve that. She'll be blind for, for the rest of her life. I just, uh, know that it's going to take all of us to get this state turned around. And I just want to thank you for everything you've done. Thank you, David. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank have you. a blessed day.